everybody and welcome to episode number 47 of the Building a Better Body podcast. Today on the show I have another guest lined up for you. Um, my podcast lately hasn't been particularly nutrition related and I've gone that way intentionally. I love the idea of expanding and being the platform for many many different topics for discussion but that being said when a topic like this comes my way I get super excited uh, I think it's going to be super valuable to you and I'm really excited to share it with you, my listeners. The guest today is Dr. Ken Berry and I first heard about him through the Primal Blueprint podcast and since then I've seen him pop up more and more through social media. He is a doctor based in Tennessee, so get ready for an awesome accent. He has been practicing family medicine for over a decade and I just had a fantastic chat with him. He's extremely easy to talk to, as you will hear. And he wants you to reach out to him if you have any questions. He loves doing that. So I'll put all of the links to his social connections in the show notes. Uh, please do enjoy, because we cover a lot of good points. Here we go. On the show today, I have Dr. Barry. Should I call you Dr. Dr. Barry? <laughs> you can call me Ken. I can call you Ken. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, for anybody who has never heard of you, how, how would you describe your sort of story right now? So I'm a, a board-certified family physician. I practice in Tennessee in a very small town about an hour and a half from Nashville. If anyone knows about country music in mm -hmm. Nashville in the U.S., I'm about an hour and a half from there. And I've been practicing medicine for a, almost 14 years. Okay. And um, I, over the course of those 14 years, I kept noticing things that doctors were telling patients that weren't true. And some of them um, don't amount to much, but some of them can actually affect a patient's health and, and their health care and their health long term. Mm -hmm. And so as the years went by, I kind of collected this series of lies, is what I call them, and that's what culminated in this book. Yeah. Okay. And your book is called uh, Lies My Doctor Told Me. Uh, yes. Isn't that right? Yeah. It's a nice, that's dramatic, it. yeah, that's nice, it. nice dramatic title to <laughs> interest people exactly. for sure. Well, whenever I, I did buy it myself, by the way, very good. Uh, it's a oh, nice, thank you very much. <laughs> it's a nice, uh, easy read. You know, you can pick it up, uh, you know, every now and again, read a chunk, put it down, read another chunk. It, it flows really well. Excellent. And the first, the first popular highlighted section in it, I will quote here, your doctor is only as good as the knowledge he possesses and only as good as the effort he puts in to stay in current so uh, and looking for further knowledge and updates himself or herself personally I, you know I haven't really visited the doctor that much myself touch wood uh, so there isn't there wasn't the, the chance for me to build a relationship with my doctor if I have something wrong I'll phone up and see whoever's available. So I would never have sure. sort of built a... I don't know if it works the same in America. Do you always have to see your doctor or does it not matter? It, it sort of depends on your insurance coverage. Some sure. people's insurance requires them to see the same doctor every time and other people can see any doctor that they want to see. Mm -hmm. And of course, if they're going to you know, pay for their visit out of pocket, then they can see whomever they want to see. Of course, yeah. So, so back to that quote. Yeah, so how, how, do you, how do you feel that doctors are trying to keep current right now? Are they, are they doing that own research themselves or is it too busy, too fast paced to, to be able to do that? Well, doctors do their continuing medical education. There's no doubt about that. They're in most of the states in the U.S., there's requirements. You have to do so many 
uh, units or hours of, of continuing medical education every year. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But usually that CME is in new prescription drugs, uh, new dosages of new drugs. It's all about the drugs, right? Yeah. yeah. And so if you're going to be an expert in the care of the human organism, then you definitely want to be an expert in human nutrition and human health and human prevention. Mm-hmm. And there just aren't many hours of continuing med- medical education for doctors to take on those subjects, which, in my opinion, are the most important subjects of all. Mm-hmm. And But uh, usually CME courses are sponsored in part or in whole by the large pharmaceutical houses. And they're not really interested in teaching people about better nutrition. They're interested in pe- teaching people about their new drug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so that's kind of how it goes with the education. Doctors do lots of reading and lots of continuing education, but it's most often about drugs and uh, injections and medications such as that, and not really about the kind of the base that we should have been taught in medical school, but definitely were not. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure if I hadn't decided to do my own personal research, I'd still be doing the whole low fat, uh, mm-hmm. keep, keeping an eye on the calories and, and running long distances because you feel that. Right. I don't know where that even comes from. It's just ingrained in a lot of people. <laughs> it's, it is. I mean? And we've been taught that for the last 50 years in, in all the Western world, not just the U.S., but the U.K., Australia, New Zealand, Canada, We've all been taught that you have to burn more than you take in. Mm-hmm. That's how you stay healthy. And that's, mm-hmm. it's just an, it's an utter lie. It's not mm-hmm. true. It doesn't work. Yeah. It only leads to, to chronic pain and chronic disease. It just doesn't help you. It almost takes for you to realize it yourself. You, ca- you have to sort of stop listening to other people and kind of going, okay, when I wake up in the morning, do I feel good or do I feel like utter crap? <laughs> you know? And exactly. So yeah. if, I, if, I, if you don't feel good, something's not right and even if it on paper it looks right to you you need to sort of change things up um that's why it's so difficult because everybody is so different it's hard to find your set point i guess as well and that partly that the, just the difference in in different people but and there are to be honest there's some medical treatments that will make you feel worse in order to get you better mm-hmm. but nu- nutrition and prevention and health shouldn't be like that if, you, if your diet is correct, you should feel great with yeah. your diet. Mm-hmm. If your lifestyle is, is, if you're doing very well with that, then you should reap immediate and long-term rewards. You should feel great yeah. if your diet and your, and your lifestyle are correct. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you know yourself, when you were doing the, the high-carb, low-fat, lots of whole grain and jog five miles a day, mm-hmm. there were many, many days you felt like crap. Oh, yeah. And that, that's evidence, like you just said, when you step away from all the air quotes experts and just say and listen to your body and say how do i feel mm-hmm. and if you feel like if you feel like crap mm-hmm. then you're doing something wrong yeah exactly and it's almost like you get used to that i, I i'm sure people wake up in the morning and go oh yeah i'm tired that's normal this is this right. is kind of i always feel like this and they almost forget what it's like to feel really good again and get caught up in that kind of vicious circle of exercise more eat less and it's not working and then all of a sudden, right. and, and, and the, the, always the guilt is placed on the patient, on you. Yeah. Like if you would only run further, if you would only eat less fat, then you would start to reap the rewards. Mm-hmm. But as you know, no matter the, the further you go down that rabbit hole, the worse you feel. Mm-hmm. There, is, there is no point at which it pays off mm-hmm. with vibrancy and, and, and vigorousness. You just, there, it, it doesn't exist in that world. Would you say that? In America, doctors are prescribing to fix a symptom rather than trying to get to the root cause of the problem. 
It's the entire entire paradigm that American medicine is based on mm-hmm. is uh, treat the symptoms, and mm-hmm. you know, just like the the entire cholesterol uh, fiasco. Yes. But, you know, even if you did believe in the cholesterol theory of heart disease, taking a pill every day for the rest of your life, really, that's the answer. Mm -hmm. You know, that sounds like a great um, uh, economics for the corporation, but it doesn't really sound like that that elegant of a treatment for the patient. And so, yeah, in America, it's just the commercialism of our society here. There has to be a price tag, and, and, you know, we almost feel like we have to go and join the gym and buy a book and buy some supplements, mm-hmm, or yeah. we're not healthy. You just, yeah. you have to do things, you have to add things, you have to buy things, and that bleeds over into medical practice, and a doctor doesn't feel like he's helping anybody if he's not prescribing medications. Yeah. It, do you know what it's like over here? I don't, I don't think there's that whole push on the big pharma side of things, but as I say, I'm not in that world to totally understand what goes on behind closed doors would you have any idea what it's like in the uk compared to there i have a a few friends in the uk and i i hear that it's not as bad as far as that for aspect of it goes Mm -hmm. but then in other ways like if you're trying to get your doctor on board with some natural uh, replacement or natural supplement or to check some extra labs that they are almost handcuffed they almost can't do it Mm. Or they'll get in trouble with whatever regulatory boards you guys have over there. Yes, sure. Uh, whereas in America, we're more at our liberty. If we want to, we can check pretty much any test and we can mm. prescribe pretty much any medication. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, even even the uh, the natural, the you know, natural supplements, we can prescribe those. But I think that that's probably not that that's frowned upon much more often in the UK than it is in the US. Yeah. I, well, you, you guys are paying for it. So I guess you can ask for whatever you want. <laughs> exactly yeah (laughs) yeah interesting i was talking last week on the show about coconut oil being back in the news again you know one one minute there was a warning that it is seriously dangerous you know high fat blah 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 same old story and then it was back again in the bbc news sort of tentatively saying it's great for you again tentatively because (laughs) because whenever every time they mention saturated fat it's like no you can't we cannot get on board with it being okay for you it raises your cholesterol but According to these results, coconut oil came out really, really uh, well in the in terms of HDL and LDL and that whole, you know, the whole t- uh, cholesterol myth. So, can you put the cholesterol myth to bed? <laughs> yeah, let's let's do that because it's time for it to to die. die it's yeah. deserved death. Uh, so, the the recent uh, news you heard about coconut oil being deadly that that came from a press release that the American Heart Association released. Yes, it was based on no new research whatsoever. It was based on the same research from the fifties and sixties and seventies. And it's always been based on. I'm not real, really sure why someone at the AHA got froggy and thought they needed to release that. I don't yeah. really know what the strategy was behind that. But it, it, it actually came in a very bad time for the AHA because the, the natural health movement here just literally were up in arms and ready for revolution. And so yeah. they used that as fodder and just ripped the AHA to shreds. I did on my, my YouTube channel, I did a video and I did a bunch of stuff on my Facebook page. 
and nobody bought it. Even just, it's becoming so common in America for the just the the, the average guy walking the street mm-hmm. to know that's not true. That yeah. coconut oil is obviously good for you. It's been good for you this whole time. Mm-hmm. The American Heart Association must have fell and hit their head or something because what they're saying is silly, even to just the average Joe now, yeah. which makes me very very happy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, the entire cholesterol theory of heart disease came from a, a doctor, Ansel Keys. You mm-hmm. may have heard this story. I have some been. of your listeners may not. Do share, yes, and do so share. He, he he was a very good scientist and he produced some very good research, but he was a vegan or a vegetarian and he believed very strongly in that way of uh, eating. And so he he gathered research from twenty two or twenty three countries. Mm-hmm. about if you should eat animal or, or veg, vegetable products, if you should eat saturated fat, low fat, high fat. And he collected a, a lot of data. Yeah. And then when he published all the data, he only published the data from seven countries. And for people unfamiliar with this story, you know, it, it would make common sense for you to go, wait, why, why would you only publish the, the information from seven of the countries and not publish all 22 countries? Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is he only liked the data he had found in seven of the countries. Mm-hmm. They supported his hypothesis, and the other countries either didn't support it or actually were actively against it. And mm-hmm. so he published the seven countries study, and that was uh, he published it at the perfect time the federal government here in the U.S. was looking for dragons to slay, so to speak. They were looking for battles to fight. And so they picked this up this gauntlet of, hey, let's fight against heart attack and stroke. And, and this guy says that it's, you know, it's saturated fat, animal products, and, and cholesterol. So we're just going to almost make this federal law. And it never was literally federal law, but, but it was such a federal mandate that the American Heart Association, the American Diabetic Association, and then all the medical boards just kind of fell into lockstep mm-hmm. and went along with it. And so if for the last 60 years, the American Medical Association and all the doctors have literally been prescribing billions of dollars worth of statin drugs. And it, when, when it comes right down to it, the base research, the foundation research that all of it's built on was completely fabricated. Yeah. Yeah. All so anybody, you know, anybody with common sense knows that if you build a house with an unsteady foundation, the entire house is un, un, untrustworthy. And that's how it is with any of the statin, cholesterol, lipid, HDL, LDL, all of that mm-hmm. was built on faulty foundation. And so it, it all has to be re-researched. And my prediction is it'll turn out that, that basically the, the higher your cholesterol is, the longer you live. I think it's going to turn out to be exactly backwards to yeah. what we thought it was this entire time. Yeah. I read somewhere too as well, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it, the fat that he used in the studies wasn't even saturated fat as well. Have you heard That's that? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, he, he blended all the, all the animal products together. So whether you were eating grass-fed you know beef or whether you were eating potted meat do you guys have that like spam just like uh, yeah 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 <laughs> you know, like just noses and ears and other yeah parts the whole animal together. blended yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. right exactly so and so nobody really knows and he was combining all the all the animal products and not in any way separating any of that mm-hmm. and uh yeah it was, it was just it was ridiculous the the the, the results of the seven country study that he published. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, he wasn't completely without merit because he had, he did some uh, studies on fasting and starvation and, and calorie restriction that are still very useful today. Mm-hmm. But his seven country study just completely screwed up the thinking of American medicine for about 60 years. 
Yeah. I mean, I think people are coming around to the fact that fat is not bad for them, but I still think there's a tentative, there's a little bit scared. I can't eat too much of that. No. You know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's like your if your mom told you your entire growing up that there was a boogeyman in the closet, even though you're an adult and you know there's no damn boogeyman in that closet, yeah. your heart rate still goes up a little bit when you go to the closet. And that's how I, I see it every day in the clinic. People who have read my book and have watched all the YouTube videos and they just they know mm-hmm. uh, intellectually fat does not make you fat fat does not raise your your important uh lipid numbers fat does not increase your risk of heart attack and stroke but still when i tell them you just need to eat more fat they look at me with this look this apprehension like oh my god i'm eating so much fat already (laughs) and it's because of that irrational almost subconscious fear they have that's Mm -hmm. been beat and drummed into their head since they were little so much damage has been done because it's gone on for yes. so long. It's it's absolutely scary. I mean, if if high fat was so bad for you, I would be in a pretty bad state right now because I am up in my my fat pretty pretty high at the minute. I don't know if I would say ketosis, but uh, pretty pretty close because I don't measure it. I'm not into measuring and weighing and that sort of thing. But I'm de- I've been experimenting uh, a little bit more lately. Um, and then doing a bit of supplementing with krill oil as well. Yes, and it's just. My hormones are now on point. I am absolutely loving it. And I think I found my sweet point. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. What does your plate look like these days? Oh, yeah. I, I eat a very, very high-fat diet. Very, very low-carb. Uh, any carbs I do eat are going to be, you know, the brassicas, the, the cruciferous vegetables, mm-hmm. uh, herbs and spices. I don't, I don't ever eat any grains it's it, maybe over christmas i had some grains or something as a little rare treat but on yes, a daily basis yes. i never ever uh eat, eat grains ever yeah and i think that probably that's going to turn out to be the culprit is sugars and starches and and, mm-hmm. and processed carbohydrates in the form of processed grains that's what has fueled the obesity epidemic and the heart disease epidemic in the Western world. Yeah, just when you, a funny story. I remember being in London in, on holiday once, and um, the the waitress said to me, "You don't eat bread? Well, like not even at Christ, <laughs> not even at Christmas." <laughs> this one was hilarious. I'm like, no, don't eat it. <laughs> well, I do. That's some, awesome. Sometimes I eat sourdough, and sometimes I eat sprouted bread, but. Like mm-hmm. not yeah. an awful lot. And I don't have any discomfort when I eat it. If I did, I wouldn't. <laughs> End of story. Exactly, yeah. I don't have very much discomfort. I don't really have any physical symptoms from it. I just mm-hmm. don't need the, the processed carbs. Yeah. Uh, and if I'm going to eat bread, it it's going to be some damn good bread. I'm never yeah. going to waste my, my carb count on some crappy bread. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. It's going to be wonderful bread. Yeah, like straight from the market that somebody's made yes. the day before, for sure. Yeah, and you can tell yeah, it tastes yeah, yeah. better. It tastes better. Yeah. yeah, so me and my wife and I, we were in London recently on vacation, and we had some wonderful uh, pie, uh, you know, meat pies, and, and I noticed that all the meat pies were made with tallow. You guys still use beef. Ah fats in in all the pubs and so i thought well that's there you go you know that probably tempers the the carbs 
And then I don't know what kind of wheat they use, but man, we ate a lot of meat pies when we were over there. It was <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, but it's that's not, a special occasion. I mean, yeah, it's not every day places. for sure. And then I remember being out for, uh, I was staying overnight in, in a hotel and in the morning I asked him, do you cook the, the mushrooms in butter? And she's like, I don't think so. And I'm like, well, can you? <laughs> she was probably expecting me to say the opposite. Don't be using butter. But I was like, no, yeah, yeah put the butter right. in there. Yeah, we, we got the curry gold here. It's all good. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so do we. We love that stuff. I actually, our local market, uh, they didn't carry it. And I, I talked to the manager, and now, thanks to me, everyone oh. in my county can get carry gold. So I'm oh, proud of that. Days. That's one of the major accomplishments of my life. <laughs> everybody can get real butter. Awesome. So very often, we'll go to a restaurant, and we'll ask for extra butter. And they're like, well, and they're looking like, well, did you order bread? I'm like, no, we didn't order bread. Yeah, where are you putting it? And, <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's, it's comical yeah i make a uh, ghee out of the curry gold in, mm. in a slow cooker and it lasts for so long it's great love it Got a big oh, so nice mm-hmm. super good anyway <laughs> you um you, we talked a little bit there about uh exercise being ineffective as a method for weight loss and i completely agree absolutely to my listeners what what could you say to make them actually believe this well, it's a it's a valid point, and that's one of the other things that we've had drummed into our heads since we were in you know our, our diapers or our napkins, mm-hmm. is that you have to exercise if you want to be healthy. You have to exercise to lose weight. You have to burn more calories than you eat if you're going to lose weight. Mm-hmm. All of that, and I can tell you, I've, I've looked at the research, and there are actually very, very large, very well-done research studies that show this to be absolutely false. If anyone wants to do some nerdy research, yeah. they can look up the woman, the Women's Health Initiative study. It was a humongous study done here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. of nurses of all different ages. And so a large portion of the nurses didn't calorie restrict at all. And then another large portion did calorie restrict for years, for, I forget, seven or ten years. And at the end of the seven years, the, the nurses who had been basically they had cut back their calorie intake by 300 calories a day mm-hmm. and had done that for years. Yeah. And so, you know, 3,500 calories is a pound. We all know that. Mm-hmm. And so if you just cut back 300 calories a day, then every, uh, what, fifth day or every, you know, every 3,500 calories you do that, you should lose a pound. Mm-hmm. And so they did this over seven years. So they should have lost about 200 pounds. Yeah. Turns out, turns out that they actually they lost about half a kilogram in wow. the seven years time on average. You know, mm-hmm. obviously everybody was different, but when you average the numbers up, the calorie restriction group didn't basically didn't lose any weight at all, even though they were calorie restricting, which is basically burning more than they ate for mm-hmm. seven years. Wow. So, and so you can't you can't really can't get any a better of a study than that. That was mm-hmm. the the best way to study that. And even though the Women's Health Initiative study wasn't even designed to study that, they did the study so well and so thoroughly that you can use that study and you can glean that data and say, yeah, dude, yeah. right here it is in black and white. There, It does not work. Now, let me say, for everyone out there I've, 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 I've infuriated, mm-hmm. exercise is wonderful for you. It oh, is yeah. wonderful for your brain, your body. If you want to build muscle, you've got to exercise. If you want to put off dementia, if, there's a, a million ways that exercise is wonderful for you, and you should exercise. Yep. But if you're trying to lose weight, that is not the strategy. Do not spend money to join the gym (laughs) do not start jogging two miles a day like i did back Mm -hmm. when i was a fat doctor and i thought that's how you did it (laughs) don't do that because it will not work 
And so, you know, there are other methods that will work. And if you want to join the gym because you enjoy it or you want to, you know, muscle up or you want to whatever, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But I just don't want people to be under the delusion that exercise causes weight loss because it does not. Yeah. I think the the less you eat, the more your body wants to hold on to anything that comes your way. So I think if you can get away with eating more, (laughs) let your body get used to that. That's right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, in that, in in a in a nutshell, that's exactly right. When you calorie restrict, like the ladies in the Women's Health Initiative, mm-hmm. your metabolism just downshifts. It just burns slower, and yeah. and so it lowers your body temp a half a degree, and you just don't burn calories as fast. Your body's not stupid. Your body is much smarter than the average doctor. Yeah, and so calorie restricting your body three hundred or five hundred calories a day your body blasts at that it's like okay yeah we've you know we've been in periods of fasting or starvation for millions of years our body knows exactly what to do mm-hmm. to keep us optimized if we're not eating if we're eating less you know if there's a famine your body knows exactly what to do it lowers its metabolic rate yeah and so it outsmarts you within a week and that's why people will lose you know three five ten pounds on a calorie restriction diet, and then it stops. That's it. You can't lose any more, and that's because your body's fixed what it perceived as the problem mm-hmm. that you're in a famine situation. Mm-hmm. And then you go back to inverted commas eating normal again, and your body goes yep. right. I'm going to hold on to this because if you're going to start starving that's me, right. starving me again, there's going to be trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you gain it all back in five more. That's yeah, it. I think it, particularly with women, there's this guilt. You know, I've eaten a donut. I'm going to have to go on the treadmill here for another thirty mm-hmm. minutes, and it's a it's right. hard to break that cycle, isn't it? And I, and I think a lot of that has to do with the, just the the our our philosophy as a Western society. If you want something, you got to work for it, right? Yeah, that's just that's what we're taught that from the time we're babies. Mm -hmm. And so that it just fits so perfectly with that paradigm of life that we feel like, oh, I ate a a donut. I've got to go run a mile. And so you feel like you've done your penance. You've done your your good work. You should be forgiven. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's particularly the the phrase that I do not like is cheat days. Mm-hmm. Like, why right. you, what are you doing the rest of your week that you have to cheat has it been an absolute torture for five days <laughs> exactly it's like you right. shouldn't yeah, have to you, live that way like <laughs> yeah you may not be doing it right if you feel the need to cheat yeah. you, you may be calorie restricting or you may be eating a diet that's ultimately unhealthy if, if you or your body feels the need to, to have a cheat day now i mean there's nothing wrong with cheating I feel like cheating occasionally, yeah. rarely, is is ancestrally correct. I feel like that it honors our DNA when we do that because, yeah. you know, once a year, our ancestors running around on the savannah would find a honey tree. Yeah. And they would eat all of it, right? And they would <laughs> lie around in a, in a sugar coma for three days until it wore off, and then they would get up and go about their business. But mm-hmm. that didn't happen every day. That happened once a year or every two years, you know. And then if you live in a temperate climate, once a year, the fruit gets ripe. Yeah. Right before winter, right? And so mm-hmm. you wear that stuff out. You eat all you can hold. You gain five pounds to make it through the winter. And and I so those are those are cheats. Yeah. You can look at it that way, but I don't even I think the cheat's just the wrong word because you're not yeah. cheating. If you're doing it rarely, you're actually honoring your DNA, and and you, that won't cause any problem with your diet, whether you're paleo, ancestral, ketogenic. If you mm-hmm. have an you know once a month, every two or three months, if you have some kind of carby you know, sin, sinful food, it's fine. It's not a big yeah. deal. Just act like it didn't happen and keep right on going. It's just but the, if that's happening every day or every week, that's a problem. Yeah, it's it's the power, power of language. It's just assigning that word to it is 
I, I don't know what it's yeah. telling your brain, but exactly. I, I think it's telling it the wrong information. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have a couple of listener questions for you. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, how, how harmful can prescription drugs be and do branded generic targets affect what we get prescribed? I would say that's more American than UK, but you can answer that, I guess. So prescription drugs. Yeah. And, and so I'm going to give you the full spectrum. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Prescription drugs can do everything from absolutely nothing for you <laughs> and nothing to you all the way up to the other end of the spectrum where prescription drugs can kill you dead. Mm-hmm. You see my point? And so yeah, yeah. that's where that's where the doctor comes in is if he knows what he's doing and he knows what the patient needs, then you're you're pretty darn safe with prescription drugs. But more and more, there are people who eschew all prescription drugs, and I can't really blame them in the, you know, after the last 50 years of, of what they've been put through. But you basically want to find a doctor that you can have a, uh, a partnership with, someone yeah. who can be your learned health advisor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you go to a financial consultant and ask his advice about your finances, what he tells you, you don't have, you're not forced to put that into action. It's mm-hmm. just, it's advice. You, you can actually take it and think about it and apply what you want to apply, but you don't have to apply it all. And yeah. I would argue that the same goes for your doctor. Ask your doctor all these questions and listen to his advice. And then when you get home, think about it and you apply it to your life, what you think should be applied out of that conversation and ignore the rest. <laughs> yes. And I think that's, I think that's actually a very healthy way to do it because we, we treat all other specialists that way from the car mechanic to you know the financial advisor we don't just blindly do what they say yeah neither should you do blindly what the doctor says i think because you're talking to somebody in a a position of authority you don't think to second guess or question right um right right right. but i'm but that's the whole point of my book is you absolutely should second guess and always respectfully like you would second guess anyone even your mother you wouldn't just you wouldn't be flipping or rude about it yeah but (laughs) you know ask questions there's no it's not a sin to ask a doctor a question it's not it's not you know i mean the doctor may not like it but that's tough yeah he can get over it you right? know, the, the, so, sorry, go ahead. That's okay. Um, I mean, the, anytime you ta- anytime you ask a doctor questions or you take in some literature that you've printed off the internet. <laughs> yeah, and, I'm sure they love he, that. And, well, and that's my point. If he yeah. has a problem with that, you yeah. may be going to, to the wrong doctor. You need to find a doctor who's happy that he has a patient who's so motivated yeah. to optimize their health that they went to all this extra trouble. That's how I look at it when someone mm-hmm. brings that kind of stuff in. And yeah. if your doctor doesn't look at it that way, then you maybe need to retrain him or maybe need to find a new doctor. Yeah, I love that. That's great. As I say here, if you wanted an appointment super fast, you could get one, but it could be with any doctor. And you're, mm-hmm. you're, give, you're given literally a five-minute five window to say, this is what's wrong, and you're not allowed to talk about anything else. <laughs> right. But right. if you do want to create that partnership, you can, of course, make an appointment a couple of weeks or whatever it is in advance and then, you know, keep doing that sort of appointment and building a, a relationship that way. So I guess it depends what you're going through. Yeah. yeah. And everybody should remember doctors are very trainable people. We all went to medical school, right? We all yeah. know how to learn. We know how to, to uh, ingest new knowledge. But we medical practice is very busy. There are a lot of demands on a doctor, both professionally and, and personally. And so, if, like you just said, you know, it might take three or four visits to establish this rapport and this relationship and this partnership mm-hmm. to the point where your doctor's then open to suggestions and open to these things instead of, you know, if you just come in uh, at the very first visit you know, 100% full on, you're probably going to scare that doctor away and, and, and just close, you know, close their mind. 
But mm-hmm. And so I, I know this sounds like you shouldn't have to go to all this trouble to get the proper care out of your doctor. And I totally agree. Yeah. But, you know, there is one thing is the ideal situation. And then the other thing is the reality of the situation. And the yeah. current reality is, is you have to jump through those extra hoops to find a doctor who can be your partner. Yeah. It's your life at the end of the day. you got to make it work. That's right. That's, it. That's exactly right. Your one life that you can never get back. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the second question I have just is, um, with maybe already touched upon it, uh, do you think that time constraints and pressures doctors face today means it's impossible for them to have a holistic approach? No, I don't think it's impossible at all, but I do think it can be very difficult. Yeah. And there, there are a, t- a thousand tiny little tweaks that a doctor can do in his practice to give himself more time to work on those important things that are more holistic. Mm-hmm. And But very, very often, if a doctor hasn't had enough patients asking for that sort of thing, he doesn't know there's any demand for it, so he doesn't take the extra effort. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I was listening to your podcast with Al Russ and all of the thyroid stuff, which was just yes. unbelievable what she went through. But it's great that she can now write a book about it and tell her story. And if somebody can, somebody else out there can hear that, it's just fantastic. Because the the interesting bit about your in your book is when you touch upon thyroid and you just assume they do the right tests, it comes back as fine. But there's so many more tests that you need to be doing mm-hmm. to do with the thyroid. That's right. Uh, A lot of doctors will just check one test when it comes to the thyroid. And I think from what my friends tell me in the UK, that's kind of how it works there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then if you ask for the other tests, they, it's just a, it's a firm. No, absolutely. No, we, I'm not going to check those tests. (laughs) You have to go private or something. Yeah. You have to go private and yeah, yeah, that's how you have to do it and pay the extra money. Mm -hmm. But in the, like I said earlier in the U S usually you can talk your doctor into checking something if it's not just completely out of the realms of, explainability but i think in the uk they pretty much have an algorithm that they go by Mm -hmm. that's been passed down from whatever state authority monitors such things and they they have to either go by that or they have to provide some written explanation of why they didn't go by it and so who wants to go to the extra trouble of writing something so they so you have to go by the rules yeah and uh, so it's unfortunate in the uk but i think they're not the only country that it's like that yeah yeah Okay. Well, I'm conscious I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but your your book is out now. Um, if you could tell people one thing that would be useful for them to, to read it for, what would that be? Just to understand that you you can have a huge impact in your own health. You're not a doctor. You're not a, a health expert, but you're a human, and you've been in this body, and you have the the... The, the eons of collective intelligence that your DNA possesses. Just relax, read the book, use that knowledge that you have, use knowledge that you can find on the internet, that you can find other places, and you can use all of that and apply it to your health, and you can have a drastically different health outcome within the next 12 months. I mean, your health and your, your waistline and your uh, the the speed and the agility of your mind can be so much different in just one year's time. Yeah. But it's up to you. You have to you have to go get it. It will not come to you. Yeah, you have to really want it. <laughs> you do. You do. You do. And you, but first, you have to know it's possible. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to get across in this book: is it's entirely possible for you to know these things. These things are not unknowable mm-hmm. to the average person. Mm-hmm. And many people think they are. Like, oh, I have no idea. I couldn't even begin to understand the logic behind that but actually no that's not true 
with yeah. just the reading a chapter or two out of my book, you can understand most of the, the big questions in medicine and intelligently ask questions. And then if you've got a good doctor, they will intelligently answer those questions. And that's where good health begins. Yeah, I love it. Uh, and where's the best place to connect with you on the web? I know you're doing a lot of YouTube stuff at the minute. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got a YouTube channel and I'll send you a link to that if you'd like. You can post it. And then I have... Yes. Uh, a Facebook page, and that's where I do most of my work. I also have a Twitter and an Instagram, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I always post stuff there. But my, I try to do the bulk of my work on Facebook and YouTube. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, the book's on Amazon in paperback and a Kindle version. Yes, I'll put links to all of that in the show notes. Oh, no thank problem. you so much. You're welcome. And then just before you go, Ken, if you could give somebody one piece of advice, a Ken nugget that would help build a better body today, what would that be? One thing you could change? Yeah, you have to understand and realize, even though it sounds simple and childish, your body is literally built of what you eat. And that is, that's, there's, I'm not, I'm not, you know, this is not a fairy tale. This is not a, a nursery rhyme. This is the fact. Mm -hmm. Your body replaces all the cells in your intestines every two weeks. Mm -hmm. You replace all of your blood supply every three months. Every So basically, every year, you are a completely new body. Every cell is new, except for just a very few. And so that's why it's so important. That's why diet is the number one thing. If you're putting junk in, you're, that's all your body has to work with. Yeah. And so you're going to wind up with problems. Mm -hmm. But if you're putting in good, real food you're going to have a great outcome and and it makes health almost effortless if your diet is correct you don't really have to try and i tell people all the time you're the human body is the is the most awesome self-cleaning oven in the universe mm -hmm. and you hear about people always wanting to detox detox their liver detox their mm -hmm. kidneys basically and that back we're back to that western world mentality we want to add something we want to buy something we want to put something in the mix sure all you have to do is stop putting crap in there stop putting <laughs> does that make sense oh stop yeah poison, stop yeah. poisoning your body and your body will detox within days Absolutely. it doesn't need your help mm -hmm. to detox it mm -hmm. can do that Mm -hmm. You just have to stop poisoning it for that to happen. Yeah, awesome. I say that all the time. You have a liver and you have kidneys. They do the detox right. and you just need to give them the, right. tool, the tools to do it. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Love just it. back off and stop trying to help and stop poisoning the system and everything will be fine. Yeah. Well, you make it sound so doable. <laughs> it is. It is it doable. Is. Of and course it is. I'm yeah. always available on the YouTube and on Facebook. If people have questions, feel free to, to reach out. I love answering questions. That's what awesome. I do. And so I'm here if you need me. I, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening would wish that they were that you were their doctor right now. <laughs> I wish I could be everyone's doctor, trust oh. me, but I can only take care of my little clinic here in Camden, Tennessee. Awesome. Well, Ken, that is absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Let's do it again sometime. Yeah, for sure. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. So please consult with your general practitioner before embarking on any new diet or exercise regime.